Good evening, everybody, and welcome to the Bible Thumper Podcast, where somebody's got to say it. My name is Patrick Hayes, your regular host, and with me this evening is Zachariah King. And Zach is here to interview me, and we are going to talk about, what are we going to talk about? We're going to talk about you. We're going to talk about me, my favorite subject. <laughs> I, I was wondering if that was going to be the case. I got to tell you, though, mm-hmm. I uh, I just about hopped in there and did the intro. Oh, just, <laughs> just, you can let me know yeah. if you want to do well, it sometime. I, I just thought, you know, if I'm going to interview you, I thought maybe that would be hilarious. But one of I, these days, I chickened out at the last second. That's okay. So. Did you ever see the... Um, Larry King interview with when uh, he was interviewed. Oh, in his own studio. No, I have not. Yeah, they did it for like a, I don't remember what it was. You know, fifty year anniversary or okay, two hundred cool. fifty year anniversary. <laughs> yeah, however long that guy was in, but for the first time, he sat in the other seat. Wow. Yeah. How about that? It was pretty neat. It was definitely. Do an you know episode who, who was, did it? Who did the interview? I don't remember. No. Uh, what I do remember is um, he was asked about if you could have one question answered. Because mm. you're the the guy with all the experience asking the questions. Yes. You're the master yes. interviewer. You've interviewed everyone that's been important and famous and what have you for so many decades if you could have one question answered, what would it be? And uh, the question he, the answer he gave was, if I could have one question answered, I want to know who God is and who is his son. Really? Yep. Larry King oh, said yeah. that. Yeah. Wow. I know. I mean, he's had people tell him. Oh, sure. Um, yeah. But <clears throat> interesting. Yeah, I guess he's never gotten around to it. Wow. Yeah, okay. I might have to check that out. So, Mr. Hayes, Zach, take it away. Yeah. So, uh, you know, th- this is uh, this is going to be a little bit more of our natural role. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, as as uh, as people, you asking me for my wisdom. Uh, yeah, <laughs> me not listening to it, <laughs> the, uh, hoping that it gets onto the recording just fine and it goes out to the people. Sure. Um, but no, we were talking uh, last time I was here about what to do next, and yeah. um, I, I had I had um, considered the possibility for a little bit about uh, I, I haven't heard every episode of the podcast, sure, but I thought it might be interesting to do a bit of a of an interview of sorts with you just to get um, get not just some information out there about you personally, mm-hmm. but some some information about pastoring Mm -hmm. some information about how in the world it is that you've ended up where you are maybe even where it is that you've ended up Mm -hmm. where you are and so i I wanted to start with the questions that i don't know the answers to no that's great i mean give them to me let me just tell you this if we're going to start somewhere you 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 said uh asking questions about pastoring out of all the things i have experience with and know about yes in the world I have the least amount of experience, knowledge, or wisdom to impart when it comes to pastoring. To, right. That's, pastoring an actual church. You got it. Exactly. I have so much less than so many that have gone before me. Uh, the only thing I can tell you is I've been a part of one church 
startup. Okay. And that's yes. ours. So I can. So, so there you go. See, yeah. that's the kind of stuff I want to. You've mentioned before while I was on here with you about mm-hmm. sort of your conversion experience. Oh, okay. We've talked a little bit about um, uh, your drinking and, sure. and so, some of the old life that you were in. Yeah. So I was wondering if you could if you could start with mm-hmm. a short timeline mm-hmm. of Patrick from you know little kid through maybe. 40 years old i mean i remember coming out here for your 40th birthday party okay a few years back right that was before the church was planted yeah so yep. as far as the spiritual journey okay you know like where did you start sure. let what me, happened and yeah let me try to move through the first <clears throat> so many years as quick as possible there's going to be a, a brief slowdown in high school that is pertinent and then We'll try to get up to where we are. So born and raised in uh, New Jersey, northern New Jersey, Passaic County. And I uh, spent a little over two years in Europe as a child, Uh, went to school there. My dad worked for Citibank, so we moved and lived over there for a couple years. Um, You know, I was young enough uh, in primary school. I, I don't remember a whole lot of it, you know, other than you know, however much a kid, you know, remembers at that time. Sure. Uh, came home and, uh, went to school in New Jersey and continued there until the age of 18 when I left to go to college. So I was raised Irish Catholic in New Jersey. Uh, we went to the Catholic church every Sunday. Uh, we went for special days. I couldn't even tell you what those were, but I, we were, um, more Catholic than, most Catholics I've met in the world as far as an East Coast Irish Catholic or an East Coast Italian Catholic is going to be the kind that goes every Sunday. Uh, they go to communion. They were sprinkled. The uh, mm-hmm. Catholic Church mm-hmm. calls it baptism as a you know two-week-old little baby. You had first Holy Communion. You went to the confessional so often your parents made you do it. You you know you went through all of the the rigmarole that comes with the Catholic Church. You went to CCD, which is kind of uh our version of sunday school you know kind of classes for little kids where you learn about the catholic church and you get yelled at if you ask intelligent or logical questions and i went through that process for i don't know i was 14 or 15 and i was in a parochial high school so i went to a private high school that was catholic run by priests and nuns and whatnot and it was there around that time when I decided I was an atheist. Uh, I couldn't see God in any of it. I didn't have answers to my questions, that kind of thing. Uh, about the age when I was 15, I think I was a sophomore in high school, I started doing drugs. And I continued doing that uh, up until or through my senior year i was kicked out of the catholic high school i was expelled the very end of my junior year and it was for you know using drugs Uh, they wanted me to get regular drug tests and go to counseling and the whole thing and you know i had no desire to do that because i was a drug addict and an alcoholic and i went to public school and that continued and it got bad to a point to where my parents finally uh, told me, um, we're kicking you out of the house. Good luck. Uh, you only have one other option and that's to leave with, uh, get in the car right now and we're going to rehab. So, wow. 
and keep your in mind, sweet little mom. Oh yeah, yeah. And <laughs> yeah. she she she'll tell you she was bluffing. She wasn't ready to just give me the boot, oh, even wow. though she had met with the folks at the rehab and they said that's what you got to do. It has to come down to an ultimatum. And most kids, most minors, will not get sober because they never had parents that were willing to do what was necessary and what was necessary was kicking them out of the house and bringing them to a point where they had to fall on their face and the pain had to be bad enough to where they're willing to get better so i went to rehab uh it was in rehab where i recognized that i did have a problem keep in mind i could not hold a job i got fired from every job for drinking on the job selling drugs on the job it was a mess um i had been in jail at least two or three times had a dui you know just stuff like that getting arrested for stupid stuff so i mean you know i got expelled from one school i mean as far as a high school age kid goes yeah you know i was really just a, a complete loser so that is when I was challenged with this idea of God. I was told that I was not going to get sober unless I went to um, 12-step recovery program, uh, or at least I would not be able to maintain uh, my sobriety. And, and it was in rehab that I, I admitted I was an alcoholic and a drug addict. I recognized that. I wanted to get better. So I started going to meetings, and it was in my very first Narcotics Anonymous meeting when I was challenged with the idea of, I need to pray. And they were like, you need God in your life. You are not going to make it without God. And I told them, well, I don't believe in God. And they said, "Yeah, that's fine. You don't have but to doesn't believe matter. in God. Doesn't matter. <laughs> okay, God will hear your prayers whether you believe in them or not. <laughs> so that was the beginning of me praying. And uh, that was when I switched over to uh, monotheism. And that was all I knew. I didn't know who the God was. I didn't know which religion it was. I didn't know a lot of specifics about God. So then after that, I uh, I am 90 days sober. I managed to barely get a high school diploma. I go off to college. And it was in college that I kind of had a little bit of a reprieve. There was not much in the way of spiritual growth other than I remained sober. I kept going to meetings. I was learning a little bit more about God, but very little and almost nothing to do with the Christian God of the Bible. Yeah. So then after college, I ended up working out in Yosemite National Park. That is where I had a friend, this guy named Matt, who worked for Campus Crusade for Christ. Yeah. And he showed up to work out there and start Bible studies. Well, his girlfriend dumped him on the tr- on the drive out there, and he kind of had a broken heart and was licking his wounds and didn't really do much for God, but he gave one New Testament out while he was there that summer. Yeah. It was to me. It was to you. So I started reading the Bible, and I started recognizing, wow, this is an amazing book. I had never read it. I had always wanted to know what was in it, and everything this guy Jesus was talking about, because it was a New Testament, so I just started in Matthew. Yeah. yeah. Everything this guy Jesus was saying made sense, and whenever I applied it to my life, my life got better. I mean, everything about my life, I could see the effects, my personal relationships with my coworkers, my boss, everything. It was just, it was better. So I was like, there's something here I need to keep investigating. So I ended up reading through that book. Uh, there's, a, again, a period of time where traveled around the country for a couple of years, um, working odd jobs here and there, visiting friends and not knowing what to do with my life. Cause I dropped out of college after two years. I mm-hmm. never got my degree. Mm-hmm. 
during that time, I went to church a lot of places. I met a lot of Christians. God was kept, you know, pushing me along. But it was really when I finally got to Grand Junction, Colorado. I ran out of money. I applied for several jobs, and I got a couple of job offers. And one of them was to move uh, to Western Colorado to work for the Colorado Department of Corrections. So I moved here. Oh, wow. And that's what I was doing. I was a criminal justice major in college, psychology, sociology, and criminal justice. I just never finished it. But that was what I wanted to do. And, you know, they apparently to work in a jail, you don't need (laughs) you don't need a degree. You know, they were happy with my uh, level of medical training and uh, they they hired me and I I, I stayed with that job for a year. I I didn't really like it. Uh, During that time. I started going to church again because I recognized God is going to be a big part of my life. And I started visiting churches, and that's when I started to learn the great variance there is in what people would call Christianity. Boy, isn't there. Yeah, Yeah, so I found, you know, some different churches, and I went and visited, and I ended up working for a guy. And this guy, his name was Ron. And I worked construction with this guy for quite a while, one of my longest jobs that I held down uh, after, or I don't know, since college. And I liked working for him, and he was excited that I was excited about Jesus because he went to Bible college. He grew up in a conservative Baptist home. He went to Bible college, and this guy was like, Patrick, you need to go to an independent Baptist church. He's like... He's like, whenever I hear you talk, I hear the preachers of my Bible college and my youth talking. He's like, you're going to fit in with these folks. So we ended up doing a job for an independent Baptist church, and I started going there. Okay. And that pastor was the one that really challenged me with the idea of, you know, are you saved? Do you... Is that was there a time when you received the Lord Jesus as your Savior? And this is obviously a very important point in my ministry that I push really hard. Yes. I mean, I, I I take a strong stance on this. You did not get saved over a process of time. You might have learned about God. You might have experienced God over a process of time. But there was a time when you got saved. Jesus says in the Bible, in the Book of John, I am a door. Mm-hmm. He's mm-hmm. not a tunnel. Okay. Sure. You sure. Open sure. the door. Might be you at crossed, the end of a tunnel. Sure. But exactly. But if you wanted you do to say, have to go through it. yes, God was working on all of us for time, sure. leading up to the point of salvation. But there is a time when we cross a threshold. We recognize we are sinners, and we, if we die, we go to hell. That's what we recognized, and we learned that there is a way to have our sins forgiven, and that is through the work that Jesus did. And if I will receive that gift and trust him as my Savior, I put my faith—what I do is— If you think about it, God gives all men a measure of faith. It talks about that in Romans. We can put our faith in whatever we want. Most people put their faith in this idea that, well, I'm a pretty good person. Yeah. yeah. That's what I'm trusting in to be okay when I die. Um, Some people put it in their church. Okay. They, They put it in the works that they have done. They put it in the money that they've given. But a lot of people trust in these things that they have done. And what Jesus requires is that we gather up all that faith and we put it in him. And that's it. 
Yep. We don't have our faith spread out. I, I use a, a roulette table as an example. And if you ever played roulette, you can throw, uh, you know, coins down. Never or, played, but I've watched James Bond see, Okay, so, <laughs> so you're familiar with the yeah, idea. Yeah. They spin the ball, and you can yeah. put your, you know, uh, your chips on all these different numbers. And if you think about it, all those different numbers are ways people are hoping to get to heaven. And what you need to do is you need to take all your chips and put them on Jesus. Yep. That's the yep. only thing you're betting on. I'm not betting on anything I did. Okay. So, so I was challenged with that idea and, and it got to me and the Lord was putting pressure on me and I recognized I was not saved and I got saved one evening at that church. And then I talked to the pastor and I said, Hey, I I need to get baptized. And I started getting involved in ministry right after that. Cause I was done with drinking and drugs. I was done with, you know, chasing women. I was Mm -hmm. done with all of these different things you do before you're saved because you grew up in the world and you don't know any better. So I was no longer carrying on, getting in trouble, wasn't going to jail anymore. So I went to church and I liked church and I liked the people there and I liked helping out. And that was one of my hobbies. So I did that. Um, they, uh, the pastor there, you know, kind of took me under his wing, taught me a lot, taught me a lot about leadership and people skills, uh, both of which I was lacking, uh, very badly. He, uh, taught me a lot about doctrine, how to run a church and be a pastor. They ordained me at that church, mm-hmm. ran a Sunday school class, drove the church bus, started different ministries. Oh yeah. The church bus. The church bus, man. It was, an that in, is independent. That Baptist. is an independent Baptist If you're church. like in 20, the 20 teens. Oh yeah. Yeah. Driving the yeah. bus to pick up kids around town and, and oh yeah. And oh, yeah. I did it, you know, and then, uh, uh, we, we stayed there for, about 10 years, I think it was. And we ended up having a real bad experience there. We got hurt. Um, and, uh, you know, and it was a shame cause there were a lot of good people there. Um, you know, but the pastor, uh, just had some misunderstandings of, you know, God's will. And, uh, anyway, God used that situation to teach me a lot. We got out on our own, um, started looking for churches, searching around, trying to find a church that was a home, uh, sooner or later, um, you know, we ended up at this liberal Southern Baptist nonsensical church. I've heard that there's some guys around here that are just like, you really need to watch out. You never know what yeah. you might hear when you walk in a door. But I mean, we tried different independent Baptist churches because that's where we felt comfortable. That's sure, what we sure. knew we were getting into. And that's where, you know, we could kind of speak their language more. You know, and, and honestly, I mean, Zach, you know, from my beliefs and uh, kind of the the way I am and the way I run church, it's a lot like independent Baptist churches, more oh, yeah. so than a lot of other ones. You know, that's sure. just kind of my mold. Yes. So, you know, that that's the place we felt comfortable. We didn't find one where we felt God wanted us there. We tried some. We stayed there to some for over a year. We mm-hmm. joined one. And uh, we, we didn't you know, really find a place that we felt God wanted us to call home. And very badly, we wanted that because we enjoyed church. We enjoyed having a church family. We enjoyed having a place to go and people to be around. And we didn't have it. So in the process of searching, I was talking to my wife and I said, hey, uh, you know, whenever we find a church, I'm not going to walk in the door and they're going to be like, oh, praise God, Patrick's here. Yeah, you know, yeah. here's your Sunday school class. <clears throat> Would you please fill in the pulpit for us? So because of that, I thought, man, I might not be able to teach the Bible or preach much for quite a while. 
And my wife, Joanna, had the idea. She said, well, why don't you just start a Bible study at our house? We've done that in the past. It's Mm -hmm. been a good Mm -hmm. thing. And I said, you know, sounds great. Felt good. So we started a Bible study and we were doing it on either a Thursday or a Friday night, but we were doing it on an off night for some friends we had who always worked on Sundays. And they're like, man, we really want to fellowship with some Christians, but uh, Sundays aren't working for us professionally. We always have to work. So they were thrilled and we got a bunch of people and we started studying the Bible just here at our house and we did it, you know, every evening. And that probably brings me up to 40 years old. Any follow-up questions? Well, in the meantime, you got married and had six kids. I did. I got married and uh, yeah, probably should have mentioned that. Well, no, no. I mean, you did. I was focusing on spiritual path rather than, okay. Which is the question I asked. Yeah. So I did. I got married. I had six kids. I'm wondering about what the pressure was like. I wonder what she's doing right now. (laughs) (laughs) I am still happily married. Yesterday was our anniversary. Was it? Yeah. 17 years. 17. Okay. 17 years, six kids. So that was, oh, 2006. Six? Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. This is one year before Jess and I. Oh, okay. So there you go. Yeah. Wow. Um, so that, yeah, that, that sets the framework in mm-hmm. for, for where we'll go next, because I do one of the, one of the interesting questions, one of the things that's been most difficult on me mm-hmm. um, is not necessarily, I think the balance between the pastor family situation but making the decision mm-hmm. that you did because your kids were young yeah part of the reason you were looking for a place to be is because you wanted your kids to grow up in that environment absolutely uh, you know church we always thought was a good thing for kids um and and honestly zach all the statistics bear that out yeah families that join a church stay in one church for a long time they do better uh family stays together mom and dad keep the same job they live in the same house they go to the same church they're the most stable environments that you can find so it's always best if you can do that which is why when we left the first church that we were members of and a part of and we had gone there for a decade we wanted to find another church that we felt we could be a part of for another couple decades right? or right. for the rest of our life, but at least until God said, I have something else for you. But that right. was our goal when we were looking. Yeah. And so in the meantime, you're looking around a little bit, but you're not really finding anything. The kids are getting older and older. Yeah. I mean, that that I'm not sure exactly how many years that transition time around. took but it was several before you kind of planted the church i would say it was five or six yeah yeah and the kids were i mean your oldest would have been so ten, let's see when to, we when we left like patrick eight, was eight almost newborn yeah, yeah so moses i think was eight who's 16 now and don't get me wrong in those five years we were a member of one church and mm. we remained there for over a year and we remained at several churches for three to six months because when we were trying out a church we didn't just want to go there and try it one sunday yeah, and be yeah, like yeah. Eh, give the guy one sermon yeah or, we yeah. didn't like the music we're out of here you know the the usher has gas that day exactly. and you're like this church stinks yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, so we wanted to give any church we went to a fair shake and and for yeah. me the advice i'd give anyone who's looking for a church is 
the only reason you go into a church and don't go back is because you hear something crazy that is very different from what the Bible says and what your personal beliefs are. But if you're a Christian who has a lot of experience in church and they are teaching, you know, that Jesus is God and the gospel is him dying on the cross and raising again, and there's nothing alarming, there's no red flags. If there are no red flags, you got to go to that church for a minimum of a month or two to give it a shot. You got to get to know a few people. You yeah. got to see, you know, uh, what the pastor's like, and and, and you really want to get a feel for it. Far too many people in society today they walk into churches looking for a reason not to go there, and like you said, the usher has gas, the, you know, the choir director was sick and, and the song falls apart. Yeah. You know, the pastor, who knows, um, you know, his dog just died and, and it's not a great Sunday. It's kind of flat, it, you know, that, that yeah. happens. Okay. It's, yeah. it's not always so 25 a year or below average. You got it. Like, yeah. yeah. Just sure. by the numbers. Yeah. I mean, you know, Moses went up on the mountaintop, but he also spent most of his life down, <laughs> you know, yeah, in the bottom of the valley. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Sure. So that's, yeah. Like you said, uh, you know, 52 weeks a year, 26 of them are below average by definition. So, uh, you want to go there for a little while. So we, we did have some places where Joanna and I made friends. The kids made friends. We went to a father-son camp out. We did the whatever breakfast in the sure, morning. Sure, sure, Honestly, all that did was make it harder when we left. Yeah, yeah. And, and that was the problem for us, at least for me, mostly for me. We left churches because we did not want our kids growing up in that church learning what they were teaching yeah and kids don't understand that oh no and especially not when they're little not when they're little they just know that this new friend that i made and i've been hanging out with every sunday and i have fun seeing them i'm never going to see him again yep and that's hard and i'll tell you what what's a shame is that that idea will keep a lot of christians from doing god's will because god might have a great place for you but you're settling for a decent place and you don't want to upset the apple cart. And the one thing that Joanna would say a lot of times, she would mention, you know, well, uh, I, you know, Joanna, how'd you like it after that service? Oh, well, the people were pretty nice. I'm like, sweetie, it's church. They better be pretty nice. Like that. Yeah. That's not yeah. what we're not supposed to be running a concentration camp. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. We're not judging this you know, institution based on if they're nice or not. If they're not nice, then that's an easy one. Yeah, yeah, Because yeah. holy right. cow, right. They, they should at least be friendly when you walk in. <laughs> so, you know, that was kind of the hard part is like, oh, well, we met some nice people there. It's like, well, yeah, their church is filled with Christians. You know, good number of them are going to be nice. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. They're so, going to be pleasant people to you, be around for the most it. part. Yeah, yeah. so, yeah. Uh, you know, for me, I wanted to find a church that I felt comfortable with what they were teaching. Uh, I wanted a church that I felt comfortable with my kids growing up and being the product of that church and that environment and what I saw in the other kids in the church. Yes, yes. So... <clears throat> Anyway, uh, yeah, kids don't understand that, so it makes it tough. But what they're saying from behind the pulpit is is important. So Yes, okay. absolutely. So then in the meantime, uh -huh. you'd started the Bible study out here on the farm. Yep, Bible study on the farm. Started oh, yeah. a Facebook page and a 
think there was a YouTube channel. I mean, I, there was, there was yeah. for a little while. Yeah, there, it's, yeah. I'm, I'm sure it's still up because YouTube's free. It's not like it costs anything. The problem is uh, we haven't, you know, posted anything Nothing. on it. No, no new content. Yeah, yeah. But so, how long did that go for? What and what was the what was the goal? So, all really, the goal was twofold. Number one, give me a release. God and I made a deal many, many, many years ago before I got saved that I would follow him for the rest of my life and do whatever he said. Uh, and so long as he showed me clearly who he was and what he wanted me to do with my life, he very clearly showed me that he wanted me teaching the Bible. So that's all I knew. In what capacity, I didn't care much. I yeah, just like yeah. talking about the Bible. I like studying it. I like learning about it. I like passing on that information. And um, I feel like God has blessed me with the gift of teaching. So I feel like that's what God wants. So that was part of it. I get to fulfill my duty. Number two, there are lots of Christians that don't know the Bible. Mm -hmm. And some of them want to know it. Yeah. So we tried to find as many of those as possible, and we gave them a place where they could come together and learn the Bible and study the Bible. So that was it. You know, that was the whole reason for it. There wasn't really anything else. Yeah, yeah. No was, other motive. But it was it was an independent Baptist you got it. Bible, Bible study, study on the farm. <laughs> Not affiliated with any church. Uh, I'll tell you what, uh, there were some independent Baptist churches that didn't like that that we were doing that really they were scared we were going to get some of their people and that their people would come to that and if we ever left they would continue that yeah. that might get into some some church theory type of things i don't, I don't know if that's gonna i don't know if we'll have time for that today but sure. I, I got you can make a note on it we can talk I, about got, it again i've got questions i think uh, um I've come to realize now I've only been, I've been an associate pastor. I think we've, we've yeah. made the joke before that haven't sure. we that I'm 40% of a pastor. Yeah, no, no, no. Three fifths. Three. Oh. Yeah. Three fifths of a real pastor. So, <laughs> and for any of you that three don't know, fifths? yes. For any of you that you, don't know oh, the joke, God. that that's a joke that goes back to America's founding and slavery. And if you don't understand it, you just missed a very funny joke, but that's, that's, okay. and remember that Patrick yeah. Hayes was the, is the one that said that, that brought that up. Yeah. Three fifths. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Anyway, that was in a, let me give you the history in a census. They counted slaves as three fifths of a person. Yeah. So yeah. that's, that's where the joke right, comes right, right. from. So an assistant pastor or an assistant to the pastor, if you're a fan of the office, office and michael scott indeed an assistant to the pastor is not a real person right he's three fifths three three fifths of a pastor <laughs> that's the the joke or equal to a slave so I, I if you still go, don't get it you can rewind yeah. it and listen again I, I will go home tonight and make myself a t-shirt <laughs> there's nobody else is gonna make it yeah, three fifths <laughs> of a real pastor <laughs> I, think I, got, I think i got an extra white t-shirt and a sharpie someplace oh man okay um, but so one of the things I've discovered over the last five years or so that I've been in that role mm -hmm. is that I, I tend to view um, the purpose of a local church body mm -hmm. maybe a little bit differently than some other people do. Sure. I, I have a hard time coming to grips with the idea that um, God is leading someone 
to study the Bible. Mm -hmm. God is leading someone to get closer to him. Mm -hmm. So I need to jump in the way of that yeah. to make sure they come into the right building. And, and um, really your building. Because Not someone that, else's building. Well, because that's the right one, isn't it? Yeah. So I, here's, I, I, I cannot. I can't think that way. Okay. So let me give you an idea. So the some of the independent Baptist churches that I came from and that I, you know, learned from, and some of the independent Baptist Bible colleges that I came from had a, a little bit of a view that was, you know, I'm going to say off of what I think it should have been. Uh, simply because they weren't applying logic and reason to their idea. And you got to remember, Zach, I, I am an independent Baptist through, oh, yes. through oh, and yeah. through. Sure. So sure. more than anyone, I'm the one that can, you know, cut them out off at the knees and point out their weaknesses uh, because I am one and I am proudly an independent Baptist. Okay. So <clears throat> the idea comes down to this. Uh, you are trying to build a good work for God. And I think that's something all of us as pastors and assistant pastors should be doing. Our, our goal is we are working for God and we want him to be proud of what we build while we're here. Paul says, I make it my aim to please him. You got it. Yeah. Now, with the understanding that Jesus is the head of the church and we understand that the Holy Spirit is going to be the one that's going to be guiding and directing but with that being said, I can easily get in the way of oh, yeah. uh, God doing this work through many, many ways. Um, horrible people skills, um, blatant sin. Um, you know, I mean, there's just so many things that I can do to do a bad job and really throw water on the fire that God is trying to burn in the hearts of men. So logic dictates that I can also do a better job. Well, if that's not the case, then why do I study? Why do I read books on leadership? Why yeah. do I try to learn? You know, I'm trying to improve to do a good job as a pastor, just like I don't want to do a bad job. So then what you come down to is you can view these people that show up as assets and liabilities, and this is where you start to veer off into the weeds. Yeah, for sure. Because the fact is, Zach, you and I both know that there are some people at your church and at mine that are a great blessing. And they're a great help. And you love it every time you get to see them. And it's just wonderful because uh, they help move the church forward. Mm -hmm. You have some people who are very personable and when strangers come in they say hi and they welcome them and they smile and they chit chat with them and you have grumps who are grouchy and just turn people off yeah and you have people that show up when you are you know cleaning out the church attic to help on a work day on a weekend and you have people that will never show up they're capable i'm not talking about sure. the physically or mentally impaired sure. i'm talking about people that can they just never show up to help out and you have people that put money in uh, the tithes and offering box to support the work of the Lord, and you have people that never do. So you have these you have these people who, quantitatively, we can say are assets and liabilities in different areas. The problem is they're also people. Yeah. So we need to appreciate <clears throat> and try to help and love people. 
even the ones that really are slowing down the church growth and are just getting in the way because they decide they want to talk to everyone that shows up about, you know, how the moon landing was yeah, fake, yeah, and, take, you know, <laughs> or, you know, and I mean, just, you know, getting off into the weeds on who knows what, or, you know, <clears throat> so making people feel uncomfortable and they're like, yeah, I just, you know, I don't want to be in this building because yeah. they have, you know, there's some weirdos there. Okay. So with that, think of this. Those good people, quote, good people, uh, the ones that are helping you with the ministry that you've dedicated your life to, uh, they all of a sudden have a desire to go to another church. They have a desire to move somewhere. They have a desire to do anything that will take their presence and remove it from your ministry. Yeah. You don't want that, obviously. Oh, no. Yeah, for sure. Okay, for sure. these people are a great help. There's going to be a hole in the ministry somewhere when they leave. But uh -huh. good pastoring, mm -hmm. I think, clearly has to say, uh -huh. if that is what God is leading you to do, Correct. then I am for it. Absolutely. That's 100% what you're supposed to say. There are some, though, that feel that their ministry is... It just is what God's calling some, everyone to. You got to. it. Yeah, it yeah, is, yeah, yeah. It yeah. is <laughs> you know, equal to the will of God. And this is the story that I tell. I say, okay, let me ask you this. For, for the pastor that never wants anyone to leave and, you know, his church is the only one they should ever go to and his church is the only one where someone can grow and his church is the best and that's the one they should go to. Let's say there's a guy who lives in, I don't know, Texas. Yeah. And he gets an offer to move to Grand Junction. Mm -hmm. And he calls you up and he says, hey, um, my family and I wanted to come visit. We're coming up to Grand Junction because I'm getting a promotion and a new, you know, in this business and we're going to be the regional manager of whatever. And it's great news. You know, we're real excited. It's a great opportunity. We're going to make a half million dollars a year. Yeah. And yeah, we yeah. need a church to go to. Okay. Sure. And he comes up to your church and he just loves your church. And he's like, you know, and uh, I'd like to go out to breakfast with you and let's talk about this and yada, right. yada. Okay. Right. You're going to be thrilled that that guy is coming to your church because his wife and his kids love going to church. They all have Bibles that are clearly used. Yeah. Oh, hey. They know the words to the song. They show up, you know, every uh, every week. They're regular. They're, they're just, oh, boy, this is just exciting. They are a, gr a good family. Oh, boy, I'm so excited. We got another good family that joined the church. Sure, okay. sure. So... You're excited that this family's showing up. Well, guess what? That means that some other pastor down in Texas. Yeah, not as excited. Not as excited. <laughs> He's losing this good family. Yeah. So yeah. let me ask you this. Are you okay that this guy comes to Grand Junction and joins your church? And these guys would be like, yeah, we want lots of these guys. This would <laughs> sure, be amazing. Sure, sure. Well, if that's the case, then you have to be okay when one of these guys one of these good families is called to leave Grand Junction. Sure, because you could just you got it, and he's going he's going somewhere else, and he got a good job, and he's going to make a great church member at some other church. So that's what you got to remember: is that my goal is to help these people take the next step in their Christian life, wherever they are. I want to help them get one step closer to the Lord and do His will more and their own will less. And at some point, God might call these people 
to something else. And if I'm really good at my job as a pastor, I am going to have some of the best people in my church leave because they will enter the ministry because God will be calling them to start a work. And that's the best thing you could possibly have happen. Yes. The problem is you're going to be losing some of your most competent people for that to take place. Absolutely. So do I want my church to grow and grow and grow, or do I want my church to multiply and multiply and multiply? Because ah, see, so, now you're reading the books. Yeah. There you go, yeah. So, you know, a good therapist only plans on meeting with you for, you know, three months, year, two years, if you're really sick and you have a lot of problems. They don't plan on meeting you with you for the rest of your life. A, a bad therapist will see you every week for an hour for the rest of your life until you die. Okay, a good one's going to help you and you're going to get better. So in the same way with pastors, our goal is to try to grow people and develop people and help them to reach their potential for the Lord and then go off and start a work so that they can duplicate what we're doing and we can see even more people invited to church and even more people saved and more baptisms happen and more people get filled into heaven. All, all the way to the ends of the earth. You got it. Yeah, the, you, you might even be able to call that process yeah. disciple making. <laughs> So some pastors don't like that or see that. You got a train upstairs? No. You okay, just, they just figured it out. Just a bunch of boys. No, it was I think it was the washing machine. Someone oh. started it up or something. <laughs> gotcha. Okay. All right, so <clears throat> so that's that's where people, especially that's where pastors go wrong is they don't recognize that look, God can bring you 10 you know, great families tomorrow and he can take them away just as quick. Sure. So our, our job is not to try to keep them from their potential in God. Our, our job is to try to help them to reach, uh, their potential. Anyway, I don't know where we got sidetracked. No, this is, this is good stuff. This is because you and I have a, have a similarity in at least one place in this, um, in this role Mm -hmm. where, we weren't trained for it. Sure. Like we classically weren't, trained. We weren't classically trained to be we, pastors. I, I was at the at the church that I am assistant pastor of, mm-hmm. associate pastor, whatever you want. Yeah. Three-fifths of a pastor. Yeah, yeah, there you go. Um, I was a member there mm-hmm. for 17 years, I think, 16 yeah. or 17 years mm-hmm. before I took on that role. Mm-hmm. I took on that role not because of my education, or mm-hmm. I don't even think it's because of my ability. Mm-hmm. I think it's because God called me to take that role yeah. in that specific church mm-hmm. because of what he had done mm-hmm. over those courses of years to build that situation where I was the guy to step in at that moment. Sure. I, I, I think anywhere else, had I been a member of a different church, mm-hmm. I, I don't think it would have worked out that way. Yeah. And so part of my question there is, is to, to go from the Bible study to the church. Mm-hmm. And we've worked on being pastors a little bit. We got your background squared away. Mm-hmm. What was the what was the decision point uh, to go from? Mm-hmm. It's not the Bible study on the farm anymore. Sure. It's Grace Church. So what we ended up with was it. It was more of a need than anything. And I'll tell you, along with that need, God gave me a desire. And what we find is that if we trust in the Lord uh, with all our heart, 
uh, and we lean not on our own understanding, God will actually give us the desires of our heart. And I think a lot of people misunderstand that verse. It's not that we have these desires and God fulfills them. Like, well, I have a desire for a Corvette convertible that can do 200 miles an hour. Oh, okay, here you go. God actually gives us the desire. Yes. So yes. He, can, he can add a desire that we've never had before. And that's what God did for me, because I never had a desire to be a pastor. I had a desire to teach the Bible. But what I found was during the time when I was teaching the Bible as a, as a Bible study, first of all, uh, we had a lot of people that did not have a church home. Yeah. And one thing that we started having people do was... Uh, what Joanna and I did, which was, uh, we have money and we want to tithe and we don't have any place to do that. Yeah. So what are we going to do? And for me, I always asked everyone, are you a member of a church anywhere? No. Okay. Well, here's what we do. Yeah. We have missionaries that we have met from these other churches that we've been a part of and we send our money to them. So we literally had people like, well, can we give you the money and you send it to them? We're like, sure. Okay, that's, you know, why not? And then, um, you know, we had people where it's like, hey, uh, you know, we want to get married. Will you marry us? Sure. Yeah. Um, you know, so we were we were still, I mean, nothing changed. I'm an ordained, you know, sure. preacher. I, you know, I married people before I can marry people now. It's not like there's a license that expires. So we had people who needed counseling for various things. Sure. Financial, sure, sure. otherwise, whatever. And when COVID kicked on and churches started shutting their doors, um, people didn't like that and they wanted to go to church somewhere. And that's when God kind of pushed us into the role of, hey, you need to start a church because no one from the county is going to come to your living room and shut down your church. So uh, we were approached by some people as far as uh, wanting us to do that. And I didn't really want to do that or be a pastor, and I was struggling with it, and I was praying a lot. And Working a full-time job oh, owning yeah. your own company, by the yeah, way. Yeah, still, um, I was a licensed general contractor, had a construction company that I'd been working for, you know, 12, 13, 14 years. Uh, we live on three and a half acres, uh, wife and six kids. You know, we had a very busy life. But God answered my prayer when I told him I didn't want to be a pastor and I really didn't think I was the guy for it, uh, he said, uh, Patrick, you'd ar- you've already been doing it for years. He's like, whether you like it or not, people go to you as their pastor because they don't have one. Yeah. So you're already filling that role. All we're doing is making it official. And I was like, oh, man, he's got me there. Yeah. And then... You look out at the people, and there are sheep without a shepherd. <laughs> exactly. And he goes, Patrick, yeah, and, hello. And, and that was really all it was. And I know some people, I don't know if you'd say that that was my calling or not, you know, but that's when I feel like God, you know, so to speak, gave me a thumbs up, you yeah, know, when yeah. I went to him. And then I thought to myself, well, this is going to be an easy one to get out of because my wife has expressed her 
desire to never be a pastor's wife. And she is more adamant about that than I am about not wanting to be a pastor. And I went to Joanna and I explained what was going on. And she's like, yeah, I think that'd be a great idea. And it was just that fast and easy, like no pushback whatsoever. And I'm like, who are you? What are you talking about? Order the checkbooks. Yeah. (laughs) Wow. So then we just started, you know, going through the process. We're like, okay, you know, we're going to start a church. And I mean, I knew enough about it and I had some friends who had also done it. And we're like, all right, get a doctrinal statement, get, you know, articles of faith and get a, you know, a checkbook and a bank account. And we just started going down the list and, you know, bada bing, we you know, we became a church and yeah. And then we saw our first person saved and baptized and our first member join. And we just kept going. Isn't that the, I've got nothing against, um, church planting. Sure. We're like, you pick a guy, you know, he's going to be the guy you send him to a place that doesn't have a church. And yeah, I got nothing against that at all, but I I do find something special. Mm -hmm. Maybe it's even just personally about, and one of my favorite things about pastoring is it's easy to say, well, I'm in charge. Mm-hmm. I'm the leader. Mm-hmm. Here's what we do. Yeah. And I think it's a little bit harder to say God's in charge. Mm-hmm. He's the leader. Yeah. Here's what he's already doing. Yep. Let's follow him in that. Yeah. And that's what I really like about that story. I hadn't heard a, a, a lot of this before, but to see that he was already moving and building. Yeah. He'd planted a church a while back. Sure. Nobody just knew it yet. Yeah. And that's what, and, and really, I didn't even know it yet. Right. Right. And <clears throat> what you find is pastoral leadership is about um, trust and love. Yes. When people believe that you love them. And people believe that you love God and they trust you, you can lead them. Yes. They will follow you. But until you do that, you know, no one is go. you, you do not have followers until you have people that you love who trust you. That's, that's how it works. So what I found was that God was already building that for several years leading up to it. And then it was kind of an easy Mm-hmm. An easy yeah. transition. Easy transition. Yeah. You talked to the people of the church. Yep. They said, yeah, let's do it. Yeah. And then what was next? So I mean, what, what changed? I mean, really nothing changed other than uh, now we have a mission. Yes. Okay. Before it was just a Bible study. And Zach, <clears throat> I am a big fan of Bible studies and this is going to sound stupid when I say this unsanctioned Bible studies. Sure. No sure, affiliation sure. to a church, yeah. no affiliation to any group. Uh, it happens to be three other guys in your break room in the factory you work with who are Christians. And you said, Hey, would you want to eat our lunch while we read through a book of the Bible and just talked about it? Yeah. And everyone's like, Oh man, that'd be great. And, you know, okay, you know, Jim is going to take off leading this and, and that's it. And, and away you go. Yep. And that's wonderful. And you could have the same three or four guys uh, meet one evening a week and they bring their families. And we're going to do one month in your house and then one month in mine and one month in Jim's. And we're just going to do that. And, uh, 
we're going to bring snacks. We're all going to potluck and that's going to yeah, be, we're yeah, going to yeah. do yeah. a family meal. Mm-hmm. And if you don't want to do that because it's a hassle, then that's fine. You don't do that, but you don't have anything. You don't have, you don't have any rules. You don't have really much of a clear uh, mission or directive or goal. Uh, you certainly don't have any form of structure with leadership. You just have Christians who have Bibles who want to talk more about Jesus because they love him in the book. Yep, and you sit and do it. And that's it. You just take off and you get going. And I think there's something really special about that, and there's something that will help people move forward in their Christianity when they when they go for that. And it and that's it. It doesn't have to go anywhere else. And if you grow, that's fine. And if you don't, that's fine. Every Bible study doesn't have to have the mission of a church, sure, which is because sure. the church has a different mission. The church is given the mission of evangelism. Our job is to go out and reach the world. Now, the individual Christian is clearly given that same command, sure. but understand that once the individual Christian makes a convert, they have to bring them somewhere. Okay, sooner or later, we want them make, to get... Make disciples. You got it. Baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy it. Spirit. Yeah. Teach them to obey everything. everything I've commanded. So we want them to have a home base. We want them to grow and have fellowship. And, and we do that in church. Yeah. So <clears throat> even though the individual is given the Great Commission, the church really the individuals are supposed to go out from the church and make disciples and get them baptized and then start teaching them the Bible when they bring them back to that church and they have a place where they can have pastoral leadership, they can have accountability, they can have support uh, for their new direction in their life. So the church has more of a mission than just a casual Bible study, which is a bunch of guys. We have evangelism. So it's like, okay, well, then we should really have Bible tracks. We need to hand stuff out to people so they can be invited. We need to have a schedule, a set time when we can meet. Now, that might not work in communist China today, but it does work in Western Colorado. Yes, so we're going to yes. just, do, you know. Because and that's where you are. Yeah, we so, have the yeah. freedom, so that's what we're going to do. Uh we want to uh, grow in numbers. I am never going to be the guy that is against growing in numbers. I understand that growth in numbers doesn't necessarily mean I'm doing a good job for Jesus. Correct. But I definitely want to grow in numbers because I want to reach as many people as possible. And if you think about it, if one or two people out of every 10 that are in my church are going to be worth anything as far as uh, working in the ministry, well, then the bigger the number I have, the better the odds that I can get more people working in the ministry. And that's what we're looking to grow. But it, but even just there to say yeah. the point is the goal is uh-huh. not to have more people in the building at a particular time. Yeah. The goal is to create the largest possible impact for Jesus. Absolutely. Yes. Yes. It is less likely and it is less often that a very small group does that as well as a big group. So, you know, that's all that it is. If, let's say, if we're going to get all the people in our church and we're going to say, look, we're all going to make a commitment and every... You know, for us, it would be Sunday morning because we're not sun worshiping pagans that go to church on Sunday morning. So we're oh going to. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> so we're going to 
We're gonna sun worshiping. <laughs> yeah, on sun the day of the sun. The day of the sun. Yeah, yeah. First day of the week when yeah. the Lord emerged yeah. from the tomb. Yeah, no, that's good. Yeah, keep, there you go. Keep telling yourself that. Oh, because oh, it, so. it was it was shiny. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's funny. Several of the feast days of the Lord occur on Sunday. Yeah, feast first fruits, Pentecost. Okay, yeah, so I I just. You just said the, the independent just Baptist want, yeah, just yeah, kind of yeah. boiled I, I want to fight somebody, <laughs> so I got to give someone something to argue with or complain about. Okay, gotcha. So, so like, if we decide as a church, okay, well, one day a week on the weekend, okay, Saturday yeah. or Sunday, whatever, um, we are going to go out, and what we're going to do is we're going to, uh, we're all going to be responsible for putting uh, 10 door hangers up in our neighborhood. Not going to knock on doors, not going to do anything, we're just going to put up 10 door hangers. And for those of you that feel comfortable, we're going to knock on doors. And if someone's there, we're going to say, hey, my name's so-and-so. I live right over there. I go to this church. I just wanted to reach yeah. out and give you an invitation. Here's the card. It's got the information. If I can ever be a help to you, please let me know. And then anyone that's not home, I'm going to hang a door hanger. And once I get to all 10 door hangers are done, I gave out 10 cards with the gospel on it, that's an invitation to church. I put up 10 door hangers. I'm going to go home. And we say, we're going to do that once a month. Well, the fact is, Zach, I would rather have uh, 200 people doing that than 100. Oh, sure. sure right? Sure, because it's yeah. that many more doors that got knocked. It's that many more invitations to church. It's that many more people that got the gospel given to them in a little form of a Bible tract or whatever. So there is something to be said about numbers the more missionaries we can send out into the world the better now i would rather have them all be competent oh yeah yeah okay the, the more good missionaries sure. so yeah think about the impact Quality is great yeah the think about the impact that you can make with a ping pong ball yeah versus like say a cannonball yeah if you have more people mm -hmm. who are all further along in their maturity and yes. Christ likeness, yeah. you're going to create a larger impact. Sure. More cannonballs are going to do more than more ping pong balls. Absolutely. Okay. But at the same time, that it's not just the quality, the quantity. Because here's the thing, Zach, I could take deaf and blind people. I could take physically handicapped people and they can put up door hangers. Sure. Okay. I mean, I can take the person that just got saved and baptized yesterday and they can start putting up door hangers in their neighborhood. So we don't need someone to be that far along in their Christianity. Sure. We just need them to be willing. So when you think about it, that is the idea for why pastors want more people there is to reach more people. Now, the people that we have... We want to help every single one of them take the next step in their Christianity and get closer to God because that's what God wants them to do. God wants them to do his will, not their own. And if we can help them get yes. there, that's great. And some of those people might not ever do anything in the way of ministry. Some will. Um, and that's why we we strive for quantity and quality yes you never want to go for one without the other uh churches can get wrapped up in in if you ever go for one without the other it's a trap you can study the bible and have the 20 most educated people concerning the old and the new testaments and they know more about doctrine and they know more about what the Lord says and they have more Bible verses memorized than everyone. But if they're not reaching out to get more people in, 
well, we didn't really make much of an impact. Now they're sharp people and they love God and they are mature Christians, but for whatever reason, they've completely ignored the great commission. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, that's not, that's not what we're, what we're looking for. Uh, I have this saying that I will always, uh, that I used to say at my old church because I started an addictions program at that church Yeah, yeah. and the people that we were bringing in were a lot different than the people that, you know, grew up in church. And I would explain all the time. I'm like, look, mini skirts are good for our church. Okay. <laughs> Ashtrays in the front, by the front entrance are good for our church. Now I don't want, you know, the ladies remaining in mini skirts. Sure. I don't sure, want sure. the guys smoking in front of the church building forever, but I don't care if they do when they first show up. Okay, for me, I want people to show up yeah. and I want people from the world to show up and I don't care how polished they are. I just want souls that we can reach with the gospel. So that was always my joke is, you know, mini skirts are good for church because what it means That's is you're, you're going out into yeah, the highways yeah. and the hedges, you know, and you're gathering them and you're bringing them in. So that's what you want. You want, you know you want some rough looking people coming in. You want some kids coming in. You want some mature Christians coming in. Mm -hmm. You want everybody coming in. So having a small church full of really mature, you know, Christians, uh, that never go out and get anyone isn't helping bringing in numbers and no one growing in the Lord is also just terrible okay it's not helping the greater cause of christ uh you people need to grow and mature as well okay so um so i hope you're keeping track of questions because i feel like i just get off on rabbit trails and start talking and i'm just having a good time okay okay. i'm enjoying this i i've got no lack of questions okay good give me so yeah give me another one or tell me if i didn't answer the last one well i don't even remember what the last one was yeah so but but so you you got started yes you're moving on the way yep you've got a mission now yeah now we have a mission more than just having fun and learning the bible yeah now we want to get souls saved uh, we want to gather and spend money. Yes. Okay, which is important, and we do a pretty good job of that. It is important. Okay, we we gather money from uh, tithes and offerings from the you know membership and visitors of our church, and we send it out to the mission field. Yes. Right? So we're doing that, um, and then beyond that, I now have a responsibility that I did not have before. Because as the leader of a Bible study, it's like, look, I'm just make sure there's brownies. You got it. Yeah, I mean, yeah, 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 I mean, yeah, right. I'm just some idiot that's here to try to facilitate this thing. And uh, when I first started my Bible study, and actually when I first started my church, I gave the opportunity, and I would still be open to it. I gave the opportunity for multiple people to do the Bible teaching. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. But what I learned is that model, which is a Jewish synagogue model, only works when everyone there was raised underneath the Bible, learning the Bible, teaching the Bible in their family, so people are comfortable doing it. That just really doesn't exist much in the United States of America. So for me, because I was a pastor who had a different vocation, 
Because yeah. for the first two plus years, I didn't make a penny as a pastor. I just did it, you know, right. I don't know what you'd call it, not really pro bono, but um, I didn't make any money. I supported my ministry by working, swinging a hammer. Yeah. So I had no problem if there was another competent fellow who wanted to come and teach the Bible and we switch off a couple weeks me a couple weeks you or whatever i saw that as a great opportunity to relieve some stress and pressure in my life yeah that didn't exist it, did it, st it still doesn't you know that's still not there i mean um but anyway now we have uh this mission and i have this responsibility because it's not just that i have to have brownies and coffee there uh, i am going to be personally responsible for the spiritual growth of these people and much like and just yeah, yeah. Let, let the let the weight of that hang oh, yeah. on you for a second yeah you know and and it's keep, not just your family and kids yeah it's not just your wife and kids anymore because it starts as you then you get married now it's you and your wife then you have a kid now you're responsible for them so now as a pastor i'm responsible for others now there is good news involved with that with your wife and your kids it's a little different because i 100 percent believe if you do it right, it'll work out well, okay? I am never going to be the guy, and now that I say never, watch, 20 years from now, I'm going to be eating these words. Yeah. But I am never going to be the guy that says, I did my job as a husband, I did my job as a father, and my wife left me and my kids are all hellions, you know, outside of church and running around carrying on, yeah. you know, creating havoc. No, if that's the case, I'm a failure as a father and as a husband. Uh, the Bible talks about it, how if you do these things and you do them well, you are going to be blessed. With church people, it is different. And with the world, it is different. You take the place of a prophet. Your job is to proclaim the word of God. Yes. Not everyone listens when the prophet shows up. Sometimes there's a great revival like Jonah in Nineveh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Other times you're Jeremiah and you're thrown in prison and your own family wants to kill you. But you went forth and you proclaimed the word of God faithfully and that's what pleased God. Jeremiah didn't... <clears throat> okay, Jeremiah was literally telling the people in Jerusalem, we need to give up and submit to the Babylonians. yeah. Yeah, and not everyone, a popular message. No, and the Babylonians surrounded Jerusalem. Yeah. And the Babylonians <coughs> were famous for murdering everyone inside the city that they surrounded. So oh, the yeah. people in Jerusalem were like, what are you talking about? No, we're not going to submit to the Babylonians. And he's like, they are the hand of God. That is what God has sent for us. It is our punishment. We need to submit to that. And yeah, not a popular message. That's what, but because he was faithful, God blessed him. And I guarantee that when he died and went home to be with the Lord, he got God's version of an attaboy. Okay? Yes. He was a faithful servant of God, even though. He was told from the very beginning, by the way, no one's going to listen. Yeah. But this is the message that but I... you still need to say You got it. it. This is the message that I have for you to give to, to give to my people. So there is some comfort there because 
People still, can still make their own decisions. Absolutely. Yeah. And they're going to. My biggest concern, my biggest fear is that I will go soft. Mm-hmm. That I will be a compromising pastor who is scared to give a message. Yeah. And Zach, the, the bigger you get, the harder that is because it's sure. real easy preaching against divorce until half the people in your church have had a divorce. It's real easy preaching against abortion until a few folks show up who have had an abortion. It's real easy preaching against, you know, pick whatever you want. And then those people show up and it's like, well, the message can't change. You know, we still have to call sin, sin, and we have to be against it. And we also have to understand that some people are going to be upset by it. And I hate to say it, but, you know, the standards in America, in the world today are pretty different from what the Bible is. So people that are not raised in church and don't have experience in church, I mean, they're going to get an earful. Yeah. When for a while. Yeah. <laughs> and that could that could just be as easy as you know, you know what? I'm going to take it easy. Mm-hmm. I'm going to I've been doing hard stuff for a while. Yeah. Let's just preach Matthew. Yeah, let's just have a good Zach, and I can't you, get through the first two chapters of Matthew without yelling and screaming like a child. Well, I know you can. <laughs> <but that's, laughs> it, do, it doesn't matter. Mark? What, you tried yeah, Mark? No, yeah, yeah, none of them. The, 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 yeah, there's stuff in there that's just going to be there. And so so that's a good realization to, to have early on. Yeah. What um, You've got experience. Mm-hmm. It's not like you didn't have any idea what you were getting into. No, it's true. I was an assistant pastor at another church. I served in large ministries for many, many years. I did pulpit fill-in at many different churches. I did a little bit of work as an evangelist, traveling around, preaching at different churches, giving messages on special topics. Uh, I even preached at conferences, okay. you know, for yeah. certain things that I did. So I had, you know, some experience with that. Um, my my pastor uh, was bothering me or hounding me to become a deacon for ever, and I kept telling him no. Um, what was that about? Uh, I disagreed with him very seriously on some issues, and I told him, I was like, I'm not going to change that just by becoming a deacon. I'm not going to be a yes man, yeah, so yeah. I'm doing you a favor, and I don't think you get that. Oh, wow. Yeah. So <clears throat> at one point in a business meeting, I called for his resignation. Oh, yeah. So you've always been Patrick, <laughs> yeah, right from the start. <laughs> Yeah, no, I don't think I called for his resignation. I said uh, he was breaking federal law and that he needed to um, um, make good on the promises that he made. And if the money wasn't there, it needed to come out of his salary. Yeah, and I stand by that. I mean, wow. that, you know, I, I still think that was appropriate. It went over in that meeting like a turd in a punch bowl. <laughs> I mean, did, did it. Oh, man. Yeah. I have never been in such an awkward meeting in my life. But this is what I've learned, okay? And I've done this several times. I, last time we got on here, I talked to you about that Christian camp in California that yes, I was fired yes, from. Yes, yes, yes. And that yes. meeting I was yeah, in with, the, with, the, whole, masks, yeah, with yeah, the whole leadership yeah. of the camp. You know, in that meeting at that church, which was clearly the beginning of the end of me being at that church. <clears throat> this is what I've learned. If you are going to be in a big room as the sole possessor of an unpopular idea, yeah, you do not ease into it. 
you rip off the Band-Aid, and you pour iodine on it. <laughs> you just get it done. You just okay? take the shot. Just, yeah. Swing away. Wow. For the fences, get it done. Opening prayer. You got hey, it. does anybody have any Bang! questions? Here's <laughs> Patrick. Yep, yep you sure got do. It. Yep, we got to deal with have this. have we been okay with federal offenses? Oh, wow. man. So okay. that's what I'm saying is just do it. Yeah. All right? There's no... What you want to be accomplished is not going to be accomplished anyhow. So just go out swinging. Yeah. yeah you know, well, make sure that everyone is thinking about what you said for the rest of the week. You know, I've, I've started to say this every time we get on together now, <laughs> but it's not that one doesn't shock me quite as much. Uh-huh. But I can say I've never quite heard it that way before. Yeah. Um, not like you need to totally sugarcoat it yeah but but if you are trying to elicit some change you got it but yeah you're like no you just you fire the cannon absolutely just burn the place to the ground (laughs) at least everyone will come to watch the fire yeah you know so but with all that said go ahead ahead. you um now you're in this new role you've Mm -hmm. got you've got souls that you're in the care of Mm -hmm. um which i think is is an ancient way of looking at pastoring Mm -hmm. is um you can preach. Mm-hmm. That's what you started with, sure. was teaching. Yeah. That part's yeah. easy. Yeah, it really is what, the easiest what, part. Yeah, and so tell me about what makes someone a preacher mm-hmm. and what makes someone a pastor. So a preacher is, when you get into the Bible, the the Bible, I believe, you, you'll hear this defined differently. The Bible talks about spiritual gifts, and one of those spiritual gifts is teaching. Yeah. If you want to go over the difference between teaching and preaching, I think it is very simply uh, preaching is going to have more passion, whereas teaching is typically going to be dispassionate. Because if you think about it, when whenever you went to high school or you went to university or whatever, there were topics that you would go over and you just needed to learn these things. But these things wouldn't elicit a change in the way you lived your life, the information. Yeah. And when I'm teaching through the book of Genesis, I will go over Abraham's family tree. Okay, you know, dad yeah, was yeah. Nahor, I think, yeah, and sure. he, yeah. his first wife was Sarah, and his, you know, then he had a handmaid and a second wife, and these are the kids, and you draw out a family tree, and you're just trying to impart information, and if you're a good teacher, you can find ways to do that that will help make the information stick, but that's it. Yeah, You can be, uh, you've seen Ferris Bueller's Day Off, yeah, yeah, yeah. so you yeah. know Ben Stein and sure, his famous sure. role, you know. <clears throat> Uh, where he's the very boring history teacher or social studies teacher. You can impart information like that because the the fact is knowing that Lot is the nephew of Abraham probably isn't going to change anyone's life. Learning that Lot is the grandfather of the Moabites and the Ammonites also might not change anyone's life but when you teach a lesson on the blessings of god and being a good obedient parent yeah yeah and you go through that message of genesis i think it's 18 19 20 of sodom and gomorrah and what happened with lot and his family and the whole thing 
that message can change someone's life. They can see that I don't want to be known like Lot was known yeah. as the worst parent to ever enter heaven's gates. Yeah, in heaven. You got it. But, but that's it. Yeah. Okay. I don't want to be known as that. So I want to make a change in my life. And when you teach that lesson, you can bring passion to that lesson because you feel passionately about it and people can hear it in your voice. You can get excited. Your volume can go up. You can, your facial expression. Okay. That is what I see as preaching is given your, what your hope is, is that the message will uh, change somebody's life. They will change the way they think and act uh, from the way they were behaving to the way God wants them to behave. And that is, preaching both are needed both yes. are important yes. both are biblical mm-hmm. both can be spiritual gifts given to you by god neither of them are pastoring correct okay? they are just a part a component of, of what a pastor does mm-hmm. the, the pastor is typically going to be the senior lecturer or the head teacher although in any church you can have lots of people who are teaching the Bible Yes, uh, for a time or all the time. So pastoring <clears throat> is taking care of all of the needs of the flock. So what you have is you have a church structure. Your church has church discipline. You're responsible in carrying that out. Your church has um, a benevolence that, you're tr- you're, that you are responsible mm-hmm. for taking care of. Uh, you, to some degree, end up being the HR department. You deal with interpersonal conflicts amongst Christians. Uh, you are the one that they go to for um, comfort and guidance. You marry them. You bury them. Yep. You uh, you counsel them or you direct them to wise counsel that can help them. So a pastor is supposed to be the world's greatest cheerleader. If you think about it, when um, a high school basketball team starts to lose, uh, they look over at the cheerleaders, and the good cheerleaders <laughs> will be, you know, you can do this. Maybe Come that's on. why my basketball okay. team was so bad. <laughs> we, cheer- didn't, we didn't have any cheerleaders. No cheerleaders. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> they, are, they are there to bring encouragement to get your headspace back on track. They are to boost morale. They are the ones cheering for you, even though they know you are losing because they know you need cheering on. Along with that, sometimes the pastor's role is, well, here, if we just want to go to 2 Timothy and we go to chapter 3, I mean, if we're going to bring this book into the whole discussion, we might as well do it here because it's pretty easy let's see if i can even find it Uh, i think it's second timothy chapter three i charge thee. uh no sorry uh chapter four i charge thee therefore before god and the lord jesus christ who shall judge the quick and the dead at his appearing in his kingdom preach the word 
Be instant, in season, out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and doctrine. Mm-hmm. So these are things that you're supposed to do. You are supposed to do them while you are preaching, but you also do them outside of the realm of preaching with a still small voice as a servant. Uh, you are supposed to do it as that cheerleader. You're supposed to do that as a loving father. You are supposed to guide and direct and help people uh, stay on the straight and narrow path. That you know, yeah, that's yeah, that's yeah. our goal. the The pastor is there to beat away the wolves, mm-hmm. um, to kill the wolves, to protect the sheep, to um, to bandage up and heal the sheep when they are hurt, to feed the sheep, uh, to to. So the people are supposed to rely on the pastor as this is the one person in my life that I know if I ever have an issue, I can go to him and his only desire will be to help me and to get me closer to God. And when I have a success, he's the one I'm going to want to call because he is the one that is praying for me and is going to be so proud of me. So that's the role of the pastor is the one that is going to be involved with this person's life, the one that they know that they can count on. And preaching and teaching the Bible is is a very small uh, part of that. Uh, When you look at Jesus and his example that he gave, he lived with all of these men for what we believe to be about three years years somewhere in that area all day every day uh through the good times and the bad and he took the opportunities that were presented to him as teaching opportunities but i never saw that jesus scheduled a time when he taught every once a week for an hour and that was the time to teach no when the opportunity presented itself that's when he taught but he also encouraged Um, He also uh, corrected and rebuked. He was there to try to get the people closer to God. And so much of it does not happen during the one hour, you know, when he's there. So does that... Yeah, help. Does yes. that explain, or so, do you think I did a good job no, of explaining yeah, I think that there? Everybody's got slightly different words that yeah, they use, sure. you know. But one of one of my favorite books is he's a guy that's a little bit unpopular sometimes, but mm-hmm. um, Eugene Peterson. Okay, he did the Message. Okay, uh, version of the Bible. Mm-hmm. His his books on pastoring mm-hmm. though are like I've I've read a bunch of his stuff, mm-hmm. and he talks about. Um, pastoring being like a triangle mm-hmm. where it's really easy when you first look at a triangle you see the sides yeah like you see the the lines and preaching teaching church administration yeah or what he calls those yeah did someone say hi to me when i came in the door mm-hmm. was the place vacuum yeah what does it look like they do with the money yeah did he have his fly zip like yeah. whatever the deal yeah. is all who's of in, these things who's in charge around here mm-hmm. what's the sunday school schedule that's mm-hmm. all church administration stuff yeah. you can hear a guy preaching hear a guy teach mm-hmm. but that's all the stuff that you can see mm-hmm. just walking in off the street yeah but a, a triangle is also made out of angles yeah like if you don't have if the angles don't work all you got is lines you yep. don't have sides to a triangle and so scriptural study, mm-hmm. prayer, mm-hmm. 
and spiritual counseling, which yeah. is the things you're talking about. Those are what he defines as the angles. Okay. And he's like, that is the stuff that like most of the week is filled up with those three things. Absolutely. And like he spends a lot more time studying the scriptures on his own yeah. than he does teaching, teaching them. them. Absolutely. For a sure. A lot more hours going to. So, so um, with all that being said, mm -hmm. I don't know if you're still working full time or not. So but like, like, let's talk about some of the tension between okay. like how in the world do you pull it all off? Well, I don't. Or if I <laughs> yeah. or if I do, I do it very poorly. Um, so you know, I've been doing. Um, I just started entering into regular weekly counseling yeah. with some people, and it's been really good. Um, I've really enjoyed it. They've really you know enjoyed it. It's been. I, I believe it's been good and helpful. I just had another uh, couple talk to me uh, last night about uh, wanting to get married and wanting to do some uh, pre-marriage counseling yes, and go through yes. this. And what I basically what I've been doing is I've just been working less. Uh, yeah, so yeah. I've been taking <clears throat> more time off, which is hard because I already take off every Friday to prepare for and um, – do church yeah yeah and in order to do the counseling you know uh the schedule was such where i took off um a couple hours thursday morning to do that and depending on the people's schedule because everyone has a different schedule and not everyone is nine to five no so <clears throat> sometimes i have to work less or give up some time on my weekend to be able to do that and i was actually going to bring it up to my church uh, as far as how that's supposed to work, because basically the, the, the biggest issue that this is not the biggest issue, but it is a big issue is the finances of Patrick Hayes. And the, the, the reason for that is I have a, a wife and six kids and we have a farm and I'm self-employed and, uh, that just costs a lot of money. We haven't found out a way to, you know, get around that. And even though uh, there's always ways to try to trim the fat, uh, the fact is, you know, my kids eat a lot of food and they go through a lot of sneakers. Yeah. And the church only has so much in the way of finances to pay me. And what we found is uh, as grateful as I am for my salary, if we were to take that salary and multiply it by 50 or let's say five days a week instead of one, um, I wouldn't be able to live on it. Yeah. So yeah. what I can do is I can sacrifice financially some on our own by tightening the belt and making less money and doing this church and the church kicked in to give us some money uh, so that I could justify taking off every Friday, just blocking it off my calendar. I'm not going to work. I don't, yeah. you know, I don't care who you are. My phone's off. I'm just not doing it. I have another job scheduled that day, and that's yeah. the church. Yeah. And keep in mind, uh, that money was not there for the first two years, and we yeah. happily did it. But the fact is, I cannot do that five days a week because I can't work for free five days a week. Yeah and pay my bills, nor can I work for the amount of money the church is able to give me. 
you know, one day a week and multiply it times five so I can just quit and be a full-time pastor. Yeah. Uh, the church can't afford it and I can't afford it. So finances are a real pain in the neck. And I you can s- say that again. Yeah. <laughs> and I can see why a lot of churches, if you're going to start a church, it's really great to raise support as if you're a missionary and try to get support going for the first five years and give yourself a little bit of a buffer with the idea that, okay, if I'm able to pour all of my time and energy into this, what can we get the church growth and finances up to by this deadline? And then can we reassess and maybe go back and say, okay, this is what we need for funding to continue this work. Or um, we're just going to have to go for it and hopefully it works out. Uh, we did none of that. We had zero financing yeah, coming in. Yeah, yeah, we just, yeah. you know, we I had a pretty good job and we made more money than we needed. So we were able to sacrifice and just give up some of that work to, to start the church. But the fact is churches in America grow off of the three F's. You have finances, facilities, and faculty. Hmm. And you need those things to all grow somewhat at the same rate to be able to keep going um you know you can't buy or rent a bigger building without more money and then you need more people to be in each of the sunday school classes to teach the you know the, the classes that you have so that's always been a struggle of um of church work. And I hate to tell you, Zach, it's no different than, uh, the book of acts. It was a struggle when, uh, Paul and Barnabas and Mark got into it and butted heads. And it's like, Oh, okay. One of our main guys is leaving and going home. Well, that wasn't easy or helpful. And every time they, Paul started a new church, guess what? He had to stay there for so long. Well, why did he stay there? Well, because no one was saved. And no one knew the Bible. Yeah. So he yeah, had a yeah. bunch of pagans and he had a bunch of Jews that were totally confused on what, you know, Jesus was talking about. And he had to get them all straightened out with doctrine and help teach them and show them how to, how to start up and run a church. And then after sometimes several years, sure. he said, okay, I feel comfortable. You guys can take this thing over. I'm going to do this kind of circuit rider uh, loop yeah. and we'll I'm going to check, check on everybody else. You got it. And yeah. then I'm going to come back and we'll do some letters. And that turned into the new Testament, but I'm also going to come back and visit and see how you're doing and sort out all the major, major problems <laughs> that were going on in some of them. Yes. <clears throat> yes. So yes. that, that same issue was going on in the book of acts and it's still going on today. I balance things very poorly. Um, I don't do as good of a job at my job as I need to. I mean, if I open up my phone on any given day, you know, and I take a look, it's going to say, oh, I have 21 unanswered text messages. That's where I'm at right now. Yeah. A couple of weeks ago, I was up to like 54, you know, and it's the same with voicemail. So I don't do a good job um, with my business. It's suffering. And what that means is financially, my family is suffering to some degree. Yeah. And, Suffering is not a good word. We're not suffering. Um, Then I have my family and I refuse to do a bad job with them. So I take time off on the weekends and I spend time with them. And when I come home in the evenings, you know, I try to spend time with the kids and the wife and, and we go out on day trips here or there. My wife and I for our honeymoon are going next weekend for a overnight stay. And, and we spend the time that we have to uh, with the kids Uh, because if I'm going to mess up and lose anything in my life, it's going to be my business or my church. It is not going to be my family. And then as far as the church goes, 
I have Friday off. I take off the extra time that I need in order to help people throughout the week with counseling and whatnot. The good news is we don't have facilities that are taking a lot of our time, which is great. Sure. We, I'd like to say we rent them, but the people we are borrowing the facilities from just refuse to sign a lease and tell us how much we owe them every month you should really try to get in touch with these guys and figure out this isn't the same guys from before with the liberal uh so all we've ever done is just donated money to them you know periodically quite a bit i would hope so (laughs) you know so the the good news is we haven't had to struggle much with the facilities but we are struggling with faculty we we hired out a lady to watch the little kids in the back room while all of us engaged in the church service. And uh, her husband got a job and moved to the East Coast. And then we hired another lady and she was doing it. And then her husband got a job down in Texas and they moved. Wow. And now we're trying to find another lady that we can pay. Yeah. And right now, Zach, I am willing to pay a lady to watch the kids and I am willing to pay a lady to show up every Friday night and play three hymns on a keyboard Ooh, wow, oh wow yeah. look at you go i can't do it i have now part of the reason is i haven't been able to spend the time you yeah, know doing it somebody. you got it because yeah. things are busy um but we have made calls we've talked to other pastors we've called friends and brainstormed and you know we just haven't been successful yet and i need to put more time into that because there's stress going on because my wife is watching the kids so she can't be in the service and you know it's it's a relaxing time for her when she can be in the service and chit chat with people you know in the service and enjoy the bible study rather than watching kids because i hate to say it my wife watches enough kids okay? yeah yeah, she, yeah yeah you know she's homeschooled she six kids she does yeah yeah you know but it would be a help so um we you know, go back and forth with, with things that we need. Um, but, but that's all I've been able to do is I, I've decided that if we have to live on a little less money this week or that week or what, whenever something goes on, I just take off the work in order to have time to counsel the people, do any extra church stuff. And so far, you know, it's fine. We've been paying all our bills so it hasn't been yeah. a big deal yeah but here's the thing zach i literally have a publisher that emails me every two or three months asking me if my book's done and it's not okay i didn't even know you were writing one i am writing a book <coughs> i don't bring it up because i'm not really writing a book right now i started a book you have a contract to write yeah, a book i got several chapters done but yeah. it, you know that's it um, I have this podcast, which realistically it is growing, but it's growing pretty slowly because we haven't even finished the website yet, Yeah, yeah, yeah let yeah. alone put any effort into getting more people on here. And the fact is, if I could get enough people to subscribe to my YouTube channel and start sharing around this podcast on Spotify, believe it or not, I could start bringing in sponsors Yeah, and it would help make a little money. And maybe I'd have more time to do the church. I have a door hanger that I've been designing in Canva for, you know, weeks and it's not done, let alone printed and shipped out here so that our church can do some more outreach. Right. Right. There is always a long list of stuff that I want to do that I'm not getting done. And it, it comes down to time and it's a frustration for me because the time comes with finances. If I was independently wealthy and just retired, 
let me tell you, sure, that is the best place for a pastor to be because then they could have all the time in the world. I know one. Yeah, I know well, of some. He's he's not independently wealthy. Yeah, but he's retired enough to where he doesn't have to work. Lived in the house for fifty years. Yeah, comfortable. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And and that's all I'm you know talking. About. That is independently wealthy as far as I'm sure, concerned. Sure, sure, sure. You and me both. If I don't have to answer the phone when someone's hot water heater goes out, I am independently wealthy because you know I yeah, don't have to do yeah, that. Yeah. Um, and, and I know of one, but honestly, the more I read the Bible, I'm like, I don't really think that's God's will for most people. Oh, no, that could be. Yeah. God's will is that we constantly daily depend on him for our provision. That is the word, because one of the things I know that happens in pastoral ministry, Mm -hmm. there is constant Mm -hmm. tension, Mm -hmm. frustration, struggle. Yeah difficulty use whatever word you want from multiple different places for Mm -hmm. multiple different reasons it is constant yeah and i i'm convinced that uh, i I think satan knows as well as anyone else that Mm -hmm. if you cut off the head of the snake the absolutely and and who who is it let's attack the pastor it's the pastor Mm -hmm. it's hard to be a pastor it's hard to have a pastor family Mm -hmm. it is hard to lead a church yeah it doesn't matter how many people there are or how much time you have or don't have yeah it's just a tough deal Mm -hmm. so with all that said then Mm -hmm. i could keep on doing this all night yeah but i gotta go home at some point too Yeah, yeah yeah um tell me about the future do you have any idea of what you might be looking at moving forward? You're you're three years into this? Yeah, we're just under three years. Do you want to know my desire? Like sure. Three year plan, five year plan kind well, of thing. Or and I, what I I'm really saying, struggle with those, but I get no, what no, you mean. But as far as there's a difference between what I want the future to be yeah, and what yeah. it's gonna be. Okay. Sure. So and, and what Especially if God hasn't said anything yet. Like what sometimes yeah. like I think feel like I'm in a point mm-hmm. in, in our church mm-hmm. where the message from God is, Zach, you know what you need to focus on. Mm-hmm. You know what you need to do. Yeah. So how about if you just do that? Yeah. And then we'll deal with the rest later. Okay. So um the chain so here's what I this is the way that I look at it. Our church, just like the individual Christian, needs to make steps towards God to do more of his will and less of our will every year. So the way I look at it is what steps did we make last year? Mm -hmm. What Mm -hmm. steps did we make this year? What steps are we planning on making for the remainder of this year and into next year? And that's really the way I'm looking at it. So let's just start with, okay, some, some simple steps. We finished up all, uh, the rest of our paperwork. So for us, we were kind of like, you know, we were a church kind of like in the Wild West without a lot of paperwork and incorporation and all this stuff for yeah. a little while. And that is what we are getting accomplished now. We're finishing up the last of that. And it's mostly to make lawyers happy and liability reasons and, and cover, you know, uh, what are, what are they, uh, CYA stuff, if you Everyone knows what that acronym means. Spiritually speaking, um, this year I started knocking on doors. So just going out on a weekend and uh, knocking on random doors, going to a neighborhood, inviting people to church, trying to give them the gospel. Yeah. So I started doing that because I want to get my people doing that. 
And I don't need them to do that every weekend. I do need them to do it every month. Okay. That's what I need is some effort. Uh, After we're done going through the book of Amos, what we're going to do is we are going to go through a series on how to lead someone to Christ. Okay. And I want everyone to feel comfortable that if someone came up to him and said, hey, you're a Christian, right? Yeah, yeah, I'm a Christian. I go to church. Well, listen, I've been really, you know, concerned about, you know, dying and what's going to happen. Can you help me with that? Yeah. I don't want people to say, well, let me get my pastor on the phone. Yeah, let's see if we can schedule Patrick for exactly. some coffee. Yeah. What and I, he's like, yeah, how about October? Sure. What? Yeah, what I want is people to feel comfortable taking their Bible and taking someone through the very simple, basic plan of salvation. Yeah. So we're going to go over that. And, my, and honestly, Zach, I am terribly disappointed with the number of Christians that I've met throughout my life that have never led one soul to Christ. And I'm going to tell you this, the people that have never led one soul to Christ have not been trying. If, if you've, if you've talked to a thousand people and you've struck out is ready. Yeah. Yeah. Then it's like, you know, maybe you got a Jeremiah type of thing going on. Who knows? If you've talked to one, and you struck out you got it it's it's a lot different so that's what i find is most people most people are not trying to lead someone to the lord and that's why they're not having success anyone that continually tries will get someone sooner or later big fish little fish doesn't matter okay if you can't get an adult get a kid so i want to give a class on personal evangelism what i call soul winning that's Mm -hmm. the you know the phrase that we use i started going door knocking i want to teach my people how to do that and i want to get everyone committed to doing it one uh sunday morning a month okay yeah you know why we want to do it sunday mornings because church people aren't home or are yeah church people aren't well yeah not church people are home yes is probably the better way to put it. people that do not go to church are home are at home People that go to church are not home. So we don't have to worry yeah, yeah. about stealing all these Christians and shuffling them around if, from one church to another. If you, you hit 100 doors and they and you got 42 people, like, oh, no, I go to this church. Yeah. Uh, that, that might be. <laughs> That's that, pretty bad. That, that yeah, we don't need you. <laughs> you just keep you know, on going there. You're doing I'm fine. Glad to hear it. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So the goal is to uh, start meeting people that uh, are not saved, that don't go to church, and want to go to church, want to learn the Bible, need salvation, we can get them saved. And then also, if no one's home, just dropping door hangers on there. So um, personally, that's something that I started doing this year, um, and that leads us to the next step, which is training our people and getting them. If we can knock on 100 doors one day a month um you know and that means that we're hitting 1200 doors a year and if you're going to see some results from that and if you can continue to grow and multiply you know that that's what we're that's what we're looking to do okay i want to add music we don't have music we used to have music a long time ago it was me playing the guitar we sang some hymns 
we don't have music and I don't have the time to play and practice the guitar, but what we do have is money and we can hire someone to play the piano. So we're okay. thinking about doing that. We're going to get a nice big uh, keyboard with the weighted keys so a real pianist can come sure, and, sure. and play some hymns and we can sing some hymns. So that you know that's something that we want to add this year. I'm confident that we will. Um, it's just that, I don't know. Well, you know what I really need to do? I just need to go to like CMU or I need to go to some high school and just talk to the people in the music department and say, you know, hey, who plays the piano here? Yeah. Great. Give me, pass my number to them. I need to hire someone, you know, for Friday night Friday. for 30 minutes. <laughs> okay. Do you want to And make, I've got the equipment. You got it. You yeah, just yeah. got to show up and play, you know, play a few songs. So uh, we're going to try to get that going, and that's going to help our, um, you know, our church service. Uh, we started a children's type of, uh, I don't want to call it daycare, but, you know, watching the kids. So we have a time where the little kids are watched and they're kept busy. Yeah. Um, that was a good thing that we started. Uh, we started our, we had our first teen activity. Yeah. Um, you know, which was great because we had teenagers and for me it's like, hey, as soon as we get kids, I'm spending money on those kids. We're gonna we're gonna do something. We're gonna make sure they have a good time coming to church and they have fun, you know, yeah. and I mean we're we're gonna do that. So uh we started doing that, <clears throat> albeit a very scaled back small version because we're we're still new and small. Yeah. Uh one of the things that I want to get going <clears throat> excuse me. One of the things that I want to get going that's long-term is I want to start a Bible Institute. Oh. So for me, one of my big goals is to train up the next generation of preachers. Yeah. I don't want to start a Bible college. I don't want to start a Christian school. I just want to do night class, night hmm. school. You know, we meet two nights a week, three nights a week, and we are going to teach you the doctrine that you need to understand out of the Bible, and we're going to teach you how to pastor a church, and then we're going to try to support you to go and start a work. And I really want to get that going, but the fact is, you know, that's we're a long ways away from yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, sure. I just see a need for it. I don't see that churches and missionaries are multiplying as far as the number of new ones starting up. Uh, the stats that I see are that the number of missionaries America is sending out is getting less and less every year. Uh, we used to be the number one uh, country for sending out missionaries in the world. We oh, are, for years, I'm yeah, sure. forever. Now we are number three. The Philippines and uh, South Korea have passed us as far as sending South out South Korea. Yep, they send more missionaries out every year than America does, and it's been that way for a while. Um, and in the same way, lots of churches are closing their doors, um, and and a lot of it. Uh, is happening because pastors get old, they die, they retire, and they have not been filling the church with new blood for a decade or two. And because of that, all the people that are there are pretty old, and nobody wants to come in and take over that church because yeah. realistically, um, all you have is 10 years, and then the church is gone anyhow. Uh, so it, it's almost like a new church plant. The only benefit to something like that is you're going to start out with a paid off building and a small bank account, which yeah. is a lot better than, you know, most churches start with. The problem is, but it's hospice. You got it. Yeah. And that church is already known in the community as the old folks church. 
you know, so it's very hard to start bringing new people in to a church like that as opposed to starting your own. Uh, I've gone back and forth on that. And let me tell you, I've considered uh, trying to, uh, I mean, these are ideas that I've had. Okay. Yeah, sure. You have a lot of them. So I thought about going around to every church in the Valley on Sundays, because I don't go to church on Sundays or church yeah. meets on Friday nights Yeah, and finding the top 10 churches like the one I'm describing. They are geriatric churches that have a building and a small bank account and an old pastor that's ready to die and talking to the pastor and making him an offer and saying, Hey, I, uh, you know, I want to uh, buy out your church. And this is the new church. Um, everyone here can. I'll give you a. I'll give you a name when we're off. Yeah. Um, yeah, and and off mic. and what I'm looking to do is, okay, we need a building. We have people. We have kids. We have. We support missionaries. We have money coming in. <clears throat> what we need is a building. We need a building and a property. That would be a big help. Um, we could use a few extra people, you know, um, and, uh, these people would get a pastor that's very serious about teaching the Bible and they would get to see someone baptized for the first time in a decade, you know, which a lot of churches could really use a shot in the arm like that. Yeah. You know, so I, I, I've been thinking about that. There are some church buildings that are laying empty in this valley that are up for sale for millions of dollars. I thought about getting in touch with a realtor and making them an offer for $10,000 and saying, hey, here's who we are. You know, I don't expect you to sell it to us, but... Um, Put my name on the list. You got it. Yeah. You know, but let's give it a shot. The worst you can do is say no, or maybe you can come and visit our church and see who we are, and maybe God can move in your heart. I mean, after yeah. all, you know, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob brought out the children of Israel from the land of Egypt with so, a mighty hand. I was so, going to say, well, did, didn't they build a tabernacle with stuff that yep. the Egyptians gave them? I mean, you got it. You know, they walked across the Red Sea on dry land. The, wa- the water was as a wall to them on the left hand and onto and and on the right so if that's the god i serve i was like well might as well throw some hail marys out there and see First, if god's yeah, why in not? it why not <laughs> so <clears throat> you know but those are some of the things that i've thought of but really we don't need facilities um we don't we don't need more money what we need is our people to be faithful in church attendance uh we need our people to uh make church a priority and uh, make their individual personal relationship with the Lord a priority. That's what we need more than anything. And if we can get those couple things going, you know, there's going to be momentum there. Uh, We're going to grow. Uh, Man, we're at a lousy time right now. Um, we, we, We came off a high. We just had a salvation and a baptism two weeks ago. And... You know, over the last month, uh, we hit a high. We almost hit 50 people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then the warm weather hit, and it was like just crickets. And I'm like, where did everybody go? Yeah. And the typical, you know, people need to go on vacation too. I get that. But um, people don't go on vacation for a month at a time. (laughs) So, Well, you got to take the one before off to get prepped. To get ready. You got to pack. For the week. When you get back, you're tired. Oh, yeah, you're wiped out. Yeah, no, all of the things that you're talking about are all of the things that everybody is dealing with all of the time. Yes. So, yeah. yeah. It's not, it's not, we're not cursed of God. No. We're cursed with lame American Christianity, you know, and... 
and that's it. We just we just need people to be faithful to church, be faithful to their relationship with God, be faithful to their personal Bible reading and prayer time, and we'll be doing great. Yeah, that's all we're you know trying to get going. We have people that are at different stages. Yes, you know some people they just they just need to get married. Yeah, it's like quit living in sin and get married. We have other people where it's like, look, you got to get baptized. Yeah, we've talked yeah. about it. Yeah, you know you're saved. You know you've never been baptized. You got to get baptized. Just get baptized. We have people that need to join the church. They're hemming and hawing about it, and they know they should, and they, you know, but it's a big change and whatever. They're not ready to do it. We have some people that it's like, look, man, you got to start reading your Bible. You have to, yeah. you know, have a personal devotional time where you spend some time in the Bible, some time praying, you need a personal walk with God and you just don't have one. And until you take, so for all of these people, until they take that next step, I, I don't really see God bringing up the next three steps. Yeah. He's like, no, I've been telling you about this for years. Like, when are you going to, when are you going to obey? Yeah. So we have people at every, you know, stage, and every church does. And we are just trying to, you know, find each person where they're at and just encourage them and help them make the next step. And as a pastor, it's frustrating because you've already made all these steps and you know about the blessings that come, you know, as you make every step. And it's just frustrating to be like, well, all right, we've talked about it and you agree with me and you're not doing it. So, <laughs> I'm just going to pray for it, and that's it. And, Zach, we have had people that we have prayed for, you know, for over a year, for two years, and all of a sudden they come to you and they're like, hey, I'm ready to do that thing we talked about. I'm like, oh, great. Imagine where you'd have been if you, yeah, <laughs> if you obeyed yeah, yeah. God, you know, yeah, it's- when we first talked about it. But for whatever reason, God was working on them. Their heart wasn't ready. It wasn't soft. And now they are ready. And after they take the step, I always do the same thing. I was like, so how is that? Are you glad you did it? And they're like, it was better than I imagined. Every and I'm time. so glad. Yeah. It's like, oh, look at that. You know, your pastor knows he knows what yeah. he's talking about. He actually. Meanwhile, in your mind, yeah. you're thinking 82 more steps down the road. Absolutely. And, but, and, and then the only one you can do is the next one. The only one you can do is the next one. So, you know, it, it, how do you eat an elephant, Zach? Yeah, one bite at a time. One bite at a time. So, you know, that's a lot of what church work is. But we do have, you know, the next couple things we want to do. Um, if, if you look at us from when we started, you know, we have um, we have eight missionaries that we support <clears throat> now, you know, which is which is a big thing. Um, we have, like I said, uh, different uh, children's ministries that we never mm-hmm. had before. Uh, we moved out of our house into a building. You know, that was a big step. So th- there are things that happen continually. Yep. Uh, there are things that we want to do. I want to start bringing uh, all the men to a Bible conference once a year. Okay. Yeah. yeah. You know, and even if it's not every year, I'd like to do it every two years. And I've gone to Bible conferences all over the country. And they were always a big shot in the arm. They gave you a vision because you would go to a church that's like your church as far as, you know, they believe the same thing and you're you're going to feel comfortable there. They sure. they wear the same thing, they sing the same songs that, you know, they drink the same coffee. So you go to a church where it's like, yeah, but they've been going for two generations. 
and they are very successful and they have a large facility and they have a lot of staff and they have, a, you know, a lot more people and their music program's great because they have a lot of people that can sing and, you know, they're just really polished and it's like, boy, this is like a, a level of professionalism um, that we would like to achieve, you know, and, and this is, it's very encouraging and you're like, you know what, I can make one change in my life that this pastor's talking about and I can get closer to God and I can be on my way, yep. you know, to that vision. Cause my vision is not to be in the basement of the heart of junction church for the rest of my life. My vision is to outgrow your basement and have to find a bigger basement. Sure. Of you course. You know, so, and, and my vision is to have, um, someone that can play the piano and my vision is to have someone other than me lead the singing because I don't have a great voice, so there's no reason for me to do it. But there's someone out there in the world that sure, can do a good sure, job of, of that, course. you know. And I'd like and I'd like to get there. So I want to get the guys kind of on board with that vision, bring them to a Bible conference, and say, "Look, man, <clears throat> this is what we can accomplish." Okay, we can have. 250 people meeting instead of 25. Yeah, yeah. And so that means 250 people are learning the Bible once a week rather than 25. Than and 25. And we can have 250 people that have families that we can be giving the gospel to and, and helping them to, you know, to, to get their finances order in order and get out of debt. And we can be marrying some people and we can bury, bury the older ones. And, and we can be we can be helping these people and, and getting them all closer to Christ. I still have several people in my church that are pretty new to church. Yeah. Yeah. And honestly, Zach, the idea of dying daily and giving up a portion of your life to serve God is a very foreign concept. Sure. And I have a lot of people where I don't think they're ready to sign on the dotted line. Yeah. And yeah. we're trying to get them there. For me, I'm signed on. Yeah. yeah I am right. willing to give a large portion of my time and of my treasure to try to advance the kingdom of God. And I am trying to get other people signed on to that same vision. And the reason is because they're all going to die and go to heaven one day, at least, you know, I mean, yeah. all the ones that I know are saved and I've sure, talked to sure. about it who have received the Lord, obviously, all the born again people, they're going to die. They're going to go to heaven one day and they're all going to stand before the judgment seat of Christ. And I want them to have to get a pallet jack out to move all of their gold, silver and precious stones through the fire um, where they will receive reward. Yeah. And there are going to be some people, some Christians that are going to stand at the judgment seat of Christ and they are going to have a small handful oh, yeah. of gold dust and they're going to have a moving truck full of wood, hay and stubble. Sure. You know, and their, and their whole life, although they had a lot of fun and maybe they, whatever, they played a lot of golf and they went a lot on a lot of nice vacations and they, they had a good time. But they're going to be in heaven, and they're going to be like, there's nothing to show for it. There are no souls here in heaven yeah, yeah. for eternity because of what I did. And I don't want that for my people. I want my people to have mountains of rewards for what they did as a Christian in this life. And you got to sign on for that vision. Yeah. And it's not easy to get Christians on board. It's hard enough for me to get my kids signed on to that vision. 
Yes. But to get strangers to change their life from, well, we've never really gone to church to this idea that I'm going to go once a week for an hour or two. I'm going to spend an hour every day reading my Bible and praying. I'm going to spend 10%. Did I get that right? 10% of all the money that I find on the street, earn, inherit, or whatever. And I'm going to give that, you know, to the church. And then I'm going to spend an extra amount of time trying to talk to my friends, my family, my neighbors, my coworkers, and sound like a weirdo nut job because, you know, I need them to have faith in a guy who was a carpenter 2,000 years ago who died and came back to life and walked on water. And that's how they're going to have their sins forgiven and avoid eternal fire and damnation. You want me to start putting time every week into talking to all these people and telling them that story to get someone to sign on to what you and I call the normal Christian life. Yeah. Waking up and and, and all of that on top of saying, and while you're doing all of those things and the spirit whispers to you about yeah. all the stuff that you like and the way that you yeah. used to think oh, yeah. that By you need the to way, get rid of. You need to change everything in your life to be more like God. Yeah. And you got to set down a whole bunch of things that you really like doing that you're not allowed to anymore. And you have to start doing some stuff that you consider to be a burden. Yeah. 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 When you put it that way, <laughs> put that on a door hanger. <laughs> Here's what we believe. <laughs> oh, yeah. Man. Yeah. No, that's that's good stuff, man. I really could keep on doing this forever. We yeah. might. Um, I, I got a couple of ideas. That maybe some other things that we could talk about as the yeah. as the months go by here. Sure, but um, that's two hours. No, that's good. So. We can we can wrap it up there. I think that'll be perfect. Let me just that's, do an outro and we'll yeah. we'll say goodbye. So I, I appreciate the questions. Hopefully, I don't know this. I had fun. Okay, there you I, go. Yeah, that's I, all. That's I learned some stuff. Great. I heard I heard things that I wanted to hear, <laughs> and I think uh, okay. I'm happy. Good. Okay, so everybody, thank you for joining us on the Bible Thumper Podcast, where somebody's got to say it. You can email me, Patrick Hayes, at BibleThumperPodcast at gmail.com. You can follow us on social media, on Facebook and YouTube. If you just Google the Bible Thumper Podcast, you can watch us live do these videos every Sunday night at 7 p.m mountain time 8 p.m central and by every sunday i mean most sundays and by 7 p.m i mean that's if the microphones and the computers work and we get started on time but we do these every week and if you miss them uh please look us up on spotify google apple podcast stitcher audible iHeartRadio, anywhere you get a podcast please 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 download it share it like it, comment on it, whatever that platform allows you to do that will help us to get in front of other folks. And if you email me with a topic of what you want us to talk about, we will write it down, put it on the list. We will get to it. Uh, So we appreciate you uh, tuning in and we just want to say have a great week and we will see you next Sunday, uh, 7 p.m. on the Bible Thumper podcast. Have a great week.